Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously. So, just don't. Unfortunately, it happens to all of us. You really grow to like a musician or an athlete, only to find out that they, in fact, are human and appear to be a big piece of shit. The subject of today's show sure does seem to fit this mold. R. Kelly has had some of the biggest hits in R&B over the last 30 years, but as we've all come to find out, there's a side to R and who he chooses to bump and grind with that have made him a hashtag girl dad's worst nightmare. His actions have had him muted in the music industry, and while he might have believed he could fly, it seems like that flight is most likely going to land him in an 8x10 sail for a while. Kelly entertained audiences all over the world, and he collaborated with some of the biggest names in music. Is the 54-year-old artist really the demon he's been made out to be? Or is this a case of finger-pointing and false accusations that have led to his downfall and a slew of Grandpa Boner jokes? We'll hop on our own solar coaster and take a trip on the scary ride that has been R. Kelly's career. As internet sensation Antoine Dodson says, Hide your kids, hide your wife, and maybe hide your husband. And get ready for the R. Kelly episode of Asshole Court. Boys, let's get some pre-show scores for R. Kelly. Okay. Um. So, man, I, I really not a huge fan of R. Kelly. I never really have been. I've never understood why he's like revered as like a R and B artist. And and this is to say that I actually do like R and B music, like legitimately. Like we grew sure. up with like '90s R and B. Uh, that was what music we tried to have sex to, and often failed. Um, <laughs> But I just never understood like how he became this like this dominant force in the R and B world. So I actually knew a little earlier on, I think than most people did, that he had a very bad history with like younger girls because there was like a Chicago Tribune article or whatever that I happened to stumble across at one point where they had done some pretty extensive research about what he was doing. And so like I remember like before the whole surviving R. Kelly thing came out. I would have discussions with people I knew that were big R and B fans and be like, you know, this guy is a sexual predator, like for real. And they would, you know, be like, well, yeah, he's got some great albums though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that justifies it. Yeah, it, well, apparently so. And we'll get into to this a little bit later. Yeah. I've, there's a couple people that that are irritated to me, but um, I knew he was a sexual predator for a long time, and I'm gonna score him pretty high. I'm gonna give him a. He didn't kill anybody. I'll give him. I'll give him a seven though, because what he did was so prolific and continuous and disgusting that uh, I don't think it really 
can uh, warrant any score lower than that. Sure. Yeah, sure. Now, I remember listening to a lot of his music back in the day. It was always on the radio and stuff like that. And, you know, we were listening to Cisco. We were listening to Drew Hill. We were listening to a lot of that music back in the day. So um, R. Kelly wasn't at the top of my list. I knew a couple of the songs, but I didn't really follow him, and I didn't follow him after all these allegations came out and stuff like that. I, of course, you know, saw the CBS interview where I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit later on. So I've got a little bit of knowledge on him, but, you know, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit. And hopefully today's court can shed some light on uh, my decision process as a whole. But I did go back and before the show, I started looking at some of his music again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, but I look at some of his songs and man, he's got sex me part one and two yeah and part two is actually where he sings a song about making me a sandwich while i sleep <laughs> <laughs> feeling on yo booty yeah of course and another song i love the crotch on you yeah and i mean that's just powerful these, powerful lyricism dude these are all titles of songs and man i want to give them the benefit of the doubt but man it's, it's not looking so good for r kelly right off the rip so um and there was the Dave Chappelle skit. Oh, yeah. That, uh, I don't yeah. know if that ended up getting cut or not. Oh, oh no. no, no. They played yeah. it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, pre-show, I think I'm going to have to... Um, yeah, I know he didn't kill anybody, but, I mean, the the cards are stacked against him. So, I'm going to I'm gonna go pre-show 6.25. 6.25. Okay. For right. R. Kelly. What so, about you, Randy? So, growing up in the 90s, obviously, like you said, we heard a lot of R. Kelly stuff on the radio... I've never been a huge fan of like the real lovey dovey right. R and B stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of his stuff kind of fell into that category. So I no didn't big listen. On, not too, big too on much. the genuine or anything like that. I mean, genuine, but like uh, Pony has just a banger of a beat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he can say whatever. He can be talking about eating like French fries at McDonald's. It's like wow, 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 wow. You're like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but hearing the stories on the news the past few years, you kind of come to find out what kind of dude you're dealing with. I mean, from what I can tell, he is an absolute kid toucher. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll learn a whole lot more about the extent of his alleged pedophilia in the show. But off the rip, I'm giving him an 8.0. Okay. Yeah. All right. So with a 7.0 from Mikey, a 6.25 from Buddy, and an 8.0 from Randy, R. Kelly's pre-show asshole score is a 7.08. Or mm-hmm. 7.1. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. All awesome. Right. You guys ready to do this? Yeah. Let's put our keys in the ignition. <laughs> I got my keys in the ignition. ignition. Hot and fresh, fresh out, out the, the kitchen. Robert Sylvester Kelly was born January 8, 1967, in the Hyde Park neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. He is the third of four children to Joanne Kelly, a professional singer. The identity of his father is not publicly known, and he wasn't around to raise his four kids. So I read an article about the number of kids that grew up without a dad in the home back then. Yeah. And, well, it pretty much sucks. Yeah. Yeah. In just three decades between 1960 and 1990, the percentage of children living apart from their natural fathers was more than doubled from 17% to 36%. Yeah. And not to get off topic here, but like, I would love to know why that was. Why was there an entire generation of fatherless children that occurred from like the 60s through really the 90s? Right about the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was a divorce generation, but certainly in, in, in the black community, it seemed like it was like. Yeah, I, there was it, was it was devastating. It was really not great. Yeah, yeah, sure. 
And so not to get too deep, but it does feel like dads are doing a better job these days, yeah. not being absent from your kids, but you're always going to have a handful of dudes that uh, bust a load, then bust a move. And yeah. Yeah. Leave the kids, you know, to be raised by their mother. That's also an R. Kelly song, Bust a Load. And bust then a bust move. Bust a, well, Bust a Move is part two. Part two, exactly. Yeah, bust a Load is part one. Bust a Move, part two. Robert's mom, Joanne, raised her kids in the Baptist church and was the lead singer in the church choir where Robert joined her when he was eight years old. Robert had an older brother, an older sister, and a younger brother. They lived in the Ida B. Wells housing projects in Chicago's Bronzeville neighborhood. So, side note, Bronzeville is the home of Louis Armstrong, Nat King Cole, and the Marx Brothers. Ah. The Marx Brothers, The Marx huh? Brothers, yeah. They were very much earlier in that generation. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> Can you imagine if you had, like, uh, I don't know, what would be the equivalent now? It would be, like, uh, who's the guy that does the puppets? Jeff Dunham. Yeah, what yeah. if Jeff Dunham came from Bedford-Stuyvesant, <laughs> like Bed-Stuy? <laughs> and one of his name was Groucho. Yeah, yeah. I don't Groucho know if Marx. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was the most famous one of yeah. all the Marsh Brothers. Yeah. That comedy does not register today. No, at all. it doesn't no, translate it, well. Yeah. Kelly had a bit of a fucked up childhood. His childhood home was described by a high school teacher as bare. One table, two chairs, no father. I knew that they had very little. Around the same time he started singing in the choir at age eight, he also began to be sexually molested by an older female family member. Ooh. The molestation lasted about six years until he was around 14 years old. Explaining why he never told anyone, Kelly wrote in his 2012 autobiography, Solo Coaster, that he was too afraid and too ashamed. At age eight, he also suffered the traumatic loss of his first girlfriend, Lulu. Kelly said they would hold hands and eat make-believe meals inside their playhouse built from cardboard, where they vowed to be boyfriend and girlfriend forever. Man, so, inside their cardboard thing and then they were eating what were they maple leaves no make believe oh make believe <laughs> I was like how old is he again he's eating maple cakes <laughs> he's from the hard streets of uh, Canada or something like that eating maple leaves yeah alright I, I apologize do you guys remember your first girlfriend yeah I do actually yeah yeah I do nice so I remember uh, there was a girl in our neighborhood and um, we would play essentially house right of course and can't, uh, can't wait for bedtime yep and uh <laughs> doctor's coming in yep. <laughs> doctor time he said, let me examine those boobs <laughs> it was one of my best friends uh still to this day uh his sister oh, right. and uh i remember the highlight of my life up to about eight years old was playing house and we got in the bed together and turned the lights off and my buddy was on the floor because he was the young son and I was laying oh in God. bed with this. Uh, Mom, I'm, I'm, dad, yeah. As 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 we talk, uh, I'm trying to connect who this is, and I think I just registered who it is. Oh yeah. So uh, no, it didn't last long. Mom and Dad came in, flipped the lights on, and were like, "Get the hell out of here! It's time yeah. for dinner." Randy, hit the streets, bud. Scram. Robert and Lulu's last play date turned tragic when, after fighting with some older kids over a play area by a creek, Lulu was pushed in the water. A fast-moving current swept her away while she screamed Kelly's name. Short what? Oh, man. Yeah. That's Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just trying to do the math here. There's a fast-running creek. Creek. There's like a river by the projects in Chicago. There's a big river in downtown Chicago. There definitely so is. Probably, uh, but I'm like, the projects, that's some prime real estate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, I'm trying it to It might have been like a sewage runoff facility or something. God, you never yeah, really even know, worse. But that's incredibly heavy. Yeah. Fast-moving current swept her away. And uh, shortly after, she was found dead downstream. Ouch. Kelly recalls Lulu, his very first musical inspiration. 
A few years later, around 1978, Kelly was riding his bike in his neighborhood and was shot in the shoulder by stray gunfire. I did not know this. Yeah. Kelly wrote, hearing gunshots as a child on the south side of Chicago was no rare occurrence, but this gunshot was different. This pow rang in my ear. It was like I was leaving my body. Something bet me. (laughs) Oh, man. He got a fucking award from Lyndon B. Johnson and shit. I got all the ice cream I wanted. The bullet is still lodged in his shoulder, but his only concern at the time was whether or not the injury would affect his jump shot and prevent him from playing basketball. Uh, Spoiler alert. Yeah. (laughs) There is one mention from a family member that the gunshot is actually an attempted suicide by Kelly, but he won't verify that account. Well, then he's completely uh, like he has brain damage. Shooting yourself in the shoulder ain't going to do much for you. you know what <laughs> right? I'm he says, I want to bleed out very slowly and painfully. I'm very, done with this. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Pulled a Van Gogh. He went out and. Now we can get into that because the argument is that Van Gogh didn't kill himself. Right. He was murdered. Yeah. Right. Which is actually, there's, and this is off topic. So maybe we'll run this later, but. I've watched that documentary. I, I believe he was killed by that little dude that was giving him shit all the time. I don't think Van Gogh killed himself. He sh- shot himself in the field and then like walked back home and was like, oh, yeah. well, does it hurt? Well, exactly. And they said that he'd brought out his paint and his easel and everything to go paint, and then he yeah. came back without it. So like, if you're going to go kill yourself, <laughs> why are you going to bother <laughs> painting? They never found it or whatever, but anyways, it's a different story. <laughs> there was another issue in Robert's life that he always feared would hold him back. Dyslexia. It's ironic that someone who has written for Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, and Mary J. Blige, to name a few, suffers from a debilitating form of dyslexia that makes it difficult for him to read, write, and spell. In fact, until some others got their hands on some of his lyrics, we almost had hits like Pum and Blind and I Believe I Can Yelf. <laughs> I was about to say, they were upset. They were like, who's Kay Relly? <laughs> Damn, that's a pretty impressive resume he's got right there for. Who and I think that for. may be why he gets so much clout is because he did write for a lot of those big names. Mm-hmm. I know he wrote one Michael Jackson song that wound up being on the charts or whatever. Yeah. So, a lot of people wrote for Michael Jackson. That's so. right. While he was growing up, his inability to learn made him fearful in school. Each time my teacher called on me to read, my heart sank. Kelly wrote. By the time he got to high school, he was skipping class regularly and hid in an old music room with an abandoned piano where he taught himself how to play. Kelly took seriously his dreams of becoming a professional basketball player. He was a promising player in middle school, and because his learning disability was so severe, he suspected that the only reason he was allowed to graduate was so that he could play ball for his high school, Kenwood Academy. He did just that, but soon after his high school music teacher noticed his musical gift, she made him quit the team to focus on singing. His music teacher was Lena McLenn, who encouraged Kelly to perform the Stevie Wonder classic Ribbon in the Sky in the high school talent show. That coach is pissed. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He said, what are you, you're, you about to join the fucking choir, homie? <laughs> Yo, that jump shot, I don't even care what that bullet did to your shoulder, man. You're <laughs> nailing him. A shy Kelly put on sunglasses, was escorted to the stage. Sang the song and won first prize. I wonder if he acted blind. Like, yeah, dude, go full Ray Charles. Yeah, yes, won first prize. When she first convinced the young Kelly to quit the basketball team, she said he was furious at first. But after his performance in the talent show, he changed his mind. <laughs> Wait, she, you should really quit the team. He said, "Okay." 
God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I, oh, why'd you make me do this? You bitch. Like, I, yeah. You itch book. <laughs> itch book. It doesn't even make any He's sense. Latin. He was furious that he agreed to quit. McLynn remains Kelly's voice coach and spiritual advisor. So our Kelly's spiritual advisor, huh? It seems like either she was a terrible spiritual advisor or he just didn't listen to what she had to say. Call me now. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I see a documentary in your near future, which will be very bad for you. <laughs> I can't even do it anymore. He dropped out of high school as a teenager, and Kelly began performing under the Chicago Transportation Authority L-Tracks and eventually formed a group with friends Mark McWilliams, Vincent Walker, and Sean Brooks. In 1989, they formed the group MGM, or Musically Gifted Men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they were the, shut man. down by they, the movie theater. The uh, yeah. MGM. I don't think they, they, weren't, they weren't registering then at that <laughs> right. point. They were like, yeah, R. Kelly and MGM. R. Kelly gained national recognition that same year when he and MGM participated on the talent TV show Big Break, hosted by Natalie Cole, where he performed All My Love. Kelly went on to win the $100,000 grand prize. That's right. Oh, and wow. Big Break was inspired by Natalie Cole's Big Break, which was that her dad pumped one off into her mom, and her Big Break was that her dad was famous as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real though, seriously, big break, and you're like, what's your talent? Oh, my dad was fucking famous as shit. Yeah. yeah. In 1990, MGM recorded and released one single, Why You Want to Play Me, and after its release, the group disbanded. In 1991, Kelly got his first real big break and signed with Jive Records. Kelly's debut album, Born Into the 90s, was released in early 1992. During late 1992, Kelly and Public Announcement embarked on a tour entitled 60653 after the zip code of their Chicago neighborhood. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly separated. Just as big as 90210. Yeah, right. 69420 forever. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly separated from the group in January the following year. He <laughs> said, y'all motherfuckers are dead, son. Y'all broke. I would love to see the other <laughs> members of MGM. They're just, hey, they're like. I'm so glad he's going to prison. I, I <laughs> yeah, saw that shit from that an guy. early yeah. age. <laughs> Why can't we just be just MGM? He was like, because I'm better than y'all. <laughs> 1993 also brought some tragedy to R. Kelly's life. His mother, Joanna, died of cancer. Oh. But 93 wasn't all bad for Kelly, as he released his first solo album, 12 Play, in November, and yielded the singer's first number one hit, Bump and Grind. Bump and Grind. And 12 Play, of course, is a play on the word foreplay, which is a threesome. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 He, he he may be dyslexic, but he knows his math a little bit. <laughs> I do math good. Yeah. I can't read and write, but I do math. My mind is telling me no, but my body, my body <laughs> telling me. <laughs> That's a banger of an intro, though, dude. You're like, yeah, I'm about to fuck. <laughs> you know what time it is. Mm -hmm. A little bump and grind. It's time for the hump dance. <laughs> Another one of his songs. The Hump Dance? Yeah, The Hump Dance. I remember that one. It wasn't a huge hit. All of his songs basically <laughs> like, insert my penis into you. Yeah. Part two. He <laughs> said, pull out and bust on your titties. Part, part, part two. <laughs> Bump and Grind spent a record-breaking 12 weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot R&B Singles Chart. 1994 rolled around, and while R didn't see anything wrong with the little Bump and Grind, the world saw a lot wrong with the first of many tales of his affinity for young underage women. On August 31st, 1994, 27-year-old Kelly and 15-year-old protege Aaliyah 
were illegally married in a secret ceremony in Cook County, Illinois. He married her? Yeah. He married her. Ah. Yeah. They found the um, marriage certificate. Yeah. Like MTV, have have, like- MTV dug in and they actually went and they went to the courthouse and they found a marriage certificate where she lied. And That's right. Was, uh, so, yeah. I was about to say, was it like parent permission or no, something a, like a, that? Upon meeting Kelly and prior to the interview, Kelly's tour manager, Demetrius Smith, said that he facilitated the wedding by obtaining falsified identification for Aaliyah, which listed her as 18 years old. That's true. Kelly had been introduced to Aaliyah by her uncle, Barry Hankerson, just three years prior when she was 12 years old. The marriage was annulled in February 1995 at the behest of Aaliyah's family by a Michigan judge. Kelly and Aaliyah, however, both denied that their marriage ever occurred and even denied that their relationship had ever moved beyond friendship. So I got the receipts, motherfucker. <laughs> right? It's right here, dude. And also, what I can't figure out is like the family's like, all right, I need to know this. And then the judge is like, yep, going to annul this marriage. A crime has been committed here. But you know what I'm saying? That's, that's not really my jurisdiction. Don't do that again. That's true. Despite denials of marriage in May 1997, Aaliyah filed a lawsuit in Cook County to have her existing marriage records expunged, claiming that she was underage at the time of the marriage and lied by signing the marriage certificate as an 18-year-old and that she cannot legally enter into marriage without parental consent. Kelly has rarely spoken about Aaliyah since she died in a plane crash in 2001. She's not mentioned in his autobiography where the author's note explains certain episodes cannot be included for complicated reasons. Yeah. In a 2016 interview with GQ magazine, he described their relationship as best, best friends, but declined to comment on the marriage saying, I will never have that conversation with anyone out of respect for Aaliyah and her mother and father who asked me not to personally. Well, best, and I mean, best friends with benefits. Well, as I say, you can't be mad. We've all uh, married each other, right? Yeah. yeah you best, know. best friends, you know, BBFs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see nothing wrong with marrying underage. But my body, my body's telling me, yeah. You should put your phone away during dinner. But before you do, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Now, enjoy that dinner and enjoy the show. Kelly's success continued with the November 14th, 1995 release of R. Kelly, his second studio album. The album reached number one on the Billboard 200 chart, becoming Kelly's first number one album on the chart and reaching number one on the R&B album charts. Kelly's self-titled album sold 4 million copies, receiving four times platinum certification. Damn, that's yeah. pretty good. That man. was probably the most well-known was, I remember the R. Kelly It was album. a big deal. Yeah, I remember going to Waffle House uh, with a friend of mine and uh, this girl he was dating, and they put on the, um, what was it, If I Could Turn Back the Hands of Time. Oh, and yeah. I was like, yeah, it was very romantic at Waffle House where we were drunk as shit at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Popped and then, in $1.50 into the, uh, into the jukebox. Yep. They have jukeboxes now where you get there, download an app, Mm-hmm. And then you can play songs from your phone in the restaurant and the speakers. Should they yeah. charge you for it? Like, I think it's yeah, it's like a dollar or something like that. It's worth it. I paid the price of an omelet to play ass and titties, and it was <laughs> so worth it. Ass and titties, ass and titties, ass and titties. Big booty, 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 booty. <laughs> in the previous year, 1994, Tiffany Hawkins sues R. Kelly for the personal injuries and emotional distress she suffered during their three-year relationship. In court documents, she said that she began having sex with Kelly in 1991 when she was 15 and he was 24, and that the relationship ended three years later when she turned 18. So she became legal and he got rid of that. Yeah. And she expired. That's right. 
It's like Epstein all over again. Oh, yeah. Course, I, just, I can't. I mean, like, I just I can't get it through my head. I mean, like, it's, it's so obvious. That she's like, he's like, happy 18th birthday, girl. Goodbye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> According to the Chicago Sun-Times, Hawkins sought $10 million in damages, but accepted a fraction of that amount, 250000 when the case was settled in 1998. Kelly's spokeswoman said she had no knowledge of the accusations. In 1997, Kelly signed a contract to play professional basketball with the Atlantic City Seagulls of the USBL. I do not remember this at really? all, and yeah. I also do not remember the USBL at all either. Yeah, well, United States Basketball League, so it's right. like not the even NBA's the minor league. Like cousin or something like no, that. No, so the NBA has what's called the uh, it used to be called the D League, now it's called the G League. Um, but yeah, the USBL was like the not even the evil redheaded stepchild. It was like the this wasn't even like the minors, like the skank cousin of the NBA. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't any no affiliation. Well, I mean, I could never make the team, so I guess I'll give him right. some props on that. Kelly wore the number 12 in honor of his album 12 play. Kelly yeah. said, I love basketball enough to not totally let go of my music, but just put it aside for a minute and fulfill some dreams of mine that I've had for a long time. Kelly's USBL contract contained a clause that would allow him to fulfill a musical obligation when necessary. If Whitney Houston needs a song written, said Ken Gross, the Seagulls owner who signed Kelly, he would be able to leave the team to do that and come back. So I guess running the triangle would be a totally different ball game with him, yep, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Triangle, run it, 12 play, three people. Remember, that's the whole deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a gimmick, Gross continued. He's a ball player. He can play. Kelly is the first music artist to play professional basketball. There's been a few other artists to make an attempt at pro sports. Do you guys remember when Garth Brooks tried to play with the New York Mets or he came to spring training with the New York Mets? I do remember that. I don't remember that. But I do remember uh, Master P. Yeah, uh, with the Charlotte Hornets, but he never made the team. He No, but he had tryouts and stuff like that and... um, just like ended up buying the team or something like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was trying to think because I was like, "There's somebody else." There's got Master P I feel was like somebody in basketball or something. It might like have been that. after '97. No, sure. Uh, yeah, Master yeah. P definitely yeah, yeah. was trying to make it. I think he actually ended up playing some. T- I don't know. Maybe it was in like the same type league, like USBL yeah. or the okay. G League or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, it. Uh, th- there's been a lot of athletes to play sports and then go to musical. Yes. Aspirations. Roy Jones, uh, classic one. <laughs> Terry Bradshaw, yes. Hall of Fame quarterback, oh. he has some country albums. Yep. Yeah. Allen Iverson's notorious album that came out where he made fun of homosexuals. That's right. And it caused some very real problems. Yeah. Yes. But I remember Roy Jones' album coming out. And what the beauty of it is now is that uh, everybody, it's like almost a meme in and of itself, is when you put on a highlight video of Roy Jones, you play it to his song, like Y'all Must Have Forgot or whatever it was, which is hilarious. Uh, but yeah, he tried the, the rap game. There's a, and then there was Dirk Diggler who went for the uh, music that's right. realm <laughs> that's at right. the end of his career. That's, that's right. right. But, There's a, a NBA player right now, Damian Lillard. Dame Time is his rap name, and he's apparently making albums. He has a Hulu commercial where he's rapping. Is that like, the Hulu? Uh, like the who's it? Hulu doesn't have live sports. Yeah, or just yeah. doesn't have live sports. It's Hulu's a lifestyle. Got live sports. Or yeah, yeah, like that's that. it. Dame time sounds like an album my grandfather would have uh, recorded back <laughs> in the late forties. Like his jazz. Ah, album. Dame time. Dame see? time. He said, "Look at these broads here. Yeah, I want to play my jazz music with them." On November seventeenth, nineteen ninety-eight. Yeah, great date. Yeah, Kelly released his fourth studio and first double album. R period 
Mm-hmm. R. R. It eliminated the <laughs> dyslexia problem for or him? it could have been period R, and he would have, yeah, somebody got That is real bad. <laughs> as the year 2000 commenced, Kelly racked up a slew of new awards reflecting his status as an established R&B superstar. In January of 2000, Kelly won Favorite Male Soul R&B Artist at the American Music Awards, and in February, he was nominated for several Grammy Awards, including Best Male R&B Vocal Performance, Best R&B Album, and best rap performance by a duo or group with P. Diddy. Now, which album had I Believe I Can Fly? I think it was R. Kelly. Okay, because that one was when he crossed over. And like my mom was Knew just who like, R. Kelly I was. love this song. Right. I believe I can fly. And it was like inspirational to everybody. And she felt like she was going to go do a great job at her insurance sales I job. I believe that was I can yell. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I believe I can set the price. <laughs> Think about it every night, night and day. day. I sell you insurance car today. Yeah, I believe I can yell. <laughs> In 2001, Tracy Sampson sues R. Kelly, accusing him of introducing her into an indecent sexual relationship when she was 17 years old. The woman, a former intern at Epic Records, claimed she was treated as his personal sex object and cast aside. He often tried to control every aspect of my life, including who I would see and where I would go, she said in her legal case against him. The case was settled out of court for an undisclosed sum, said the New York Post. On January 24, 2002, At the press conference announcing the Best of Both Worlds compilation, celebrities such as Johnny Cochran, Russell Simmons, Luther Vandross, and Sean Combs lined up to praise the album, with Jay-Z stating that he had hoped the collaboration would represent more unity for black people on a whole. Black Black Electorate... I was like, <laughs> I was, I was like, is that like Georgia Power for black people? Black, black electric. electric yeah. <laughs> he said, I promised two things a beautiful R. Kelly album, and your home gas rates will go down, but your, your, your therms will go down by a large amount. Black Electorate described the collaboration as one of the greatest power moves in black music history. MTV's Shaheem Reed wrote, and if Jay and Kelly can put their egos to the side long enough to wrap up and promote their album, then the labels Def Jam and Jive, respectively, can surely figure out how to join forces and make cheddar together. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what that guy said. That's not it. Me. Time to yeah. make that cheddar. That's it. That's it. That's the headline right there. As determined by a coin toss, the album will be distributed on Rockefeller, Def Jam in the U.S. and Canada, while Jive will handle distribution internationally. Man, whoever got the Canada contract is like, Fuck! Well, it's U.S. and Canada. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, but it's like, oh, man, our fucking R. Kelly sales in Calgary are down this month. <laughs> Side note, what the fuck happened to MTV? Dude. I mean, I remember as a kid waiting in excitement for, like, the newest Red Hot Chili Peppers or Nirvana video to play. Yeah, sure. And then you had the fucking epic Faith No More video. Oh, the man, fish, the fish flopping. flopping around oh, at the dude. end. Now it's just total the, garbage. The problem is, is, is twofold. One is that people don't really address this, but... MTV started the entire reality TV The real world. The real world. And they figured out how cheap it would be. Now, think about this. Like, at the time, they were like, let's try this show out. And it became so incredibly popular. They're like, we don't even have to fucking 
pay people. You know what the cost of running the real world was? The rent on the, the rent on the apartment yeah. and the and and, and like the cameras the and yeah. yeah, exactly. And you could get people in there that would just completely debase themselves for national television fame, get paid nothing for it. They were getting paid nothing. Yeah. You don't have to have any of that. And then you at, get free rent for, yeah, for yeah. four months. And that so guy you would, puck. You yeah, Puck. Yeah, from like, Puck. I think it was like the first season, season four, season four, okay. season four when they're in San Francisco, and it it changed the entire idea of what profitable television was, yeah, and it really sure. ruined it for everybody. So that's what kind of sucks. That's what happened to MTV, and then of course by the time that all of this had come around, early two thousands. Music videos you could just like look Stream up online, online yeah, or whatever yeah. you wanted to see. And they also see. weren't making the kind of money off of that yeah. by sharing that airtime with them. Yeah. And I think it all got pushed kind of like in the middle of the night almost. The only time that they were showing those music yeah. videos was like midnight to 4 a.m. or something like yeah. that. Well, they changed the whole thing. It wasn't about music anymore. It was just like, oh, let's put on all these shows that were like, I said, just super cheap to make. And we can only blame ourselves for this because people that watch this type of television, which there's a ton of it, are the reason why you get more of this television. Yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. There you go. Yeah. Sorry. It's Thanks, okay. <laughs> it's okay yeah. There's a new season of uh, Temptation Island on that just started yep. last week. Uh, now, so you've it. answered your own question. We've circled back. <laughs> what happened during yeah. MTV why does, why does Maury Povich only do almost now exclusively like You Are Not the Father? Because it is the greatest shit was... ever, and I love go. it. Yeah. And that's it. We've just figured it out. There you go, America. There you go. Blame it on me. I got big shoulders. I can take it. Blame <laughs> it on the Randy. <laughs> yeah, again. I love that shit. Trashy <laughs> TV is where it's at. It's mindless. It's entertaining. Uh, it makes you feel better about yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We still need Randy to look in a little bit, but uh, we're getting there. Baby steps. Yes. The unfinished business tour was plagued by a rivalry between the two stars, and Kelly reportedly showed up late or not at all to the gigs. The singer, according to Jay-Z, often complained that the tour lights were not directed towards him often enough and he would leave in the middle of sets. Yep. The lights aren't on me. Fuck this shit. Right? Yeah, he, yeah it was multiple times he left. It yep. was a big deal. Another night during the concert, Kelly stayed on his tour bus for two hours before finally coming out to perform an uninspired set. Jay-Z eventually removed R. Kelly halfway through the tour after a member of Jay-Z's entourage attacked R. Kelly with mace or pepper spray. Yep. Oh, wow. You're on, going after the big dog. Like, right? No, uh, this, this is for real. Yeah, on uh, April 25th, 2006... It was confirmed that Jay-Z's younger cousin, Tyran Ty-Ty Smith, confessed in a Manhattan criminal court to pepper spraying R. Kelly and four of his bodyguards at Madison Square Garden in October 2004. Smith had been charged with assault but was allowed to plead guilty to disorderly conduct with four days of community service. Yeah. After the original incident, Jay-Z made Smith an executive of Def Jam Records. Yes, I'm glad you covered I was about to say, yeah. So think about how this breaks down. Everything that I see about this is reading surface level. This happened at Madison Square Gardens, which is like yeah. this is Jay Z's backyard. Top. Yeah, Jay Z. Jay Z's like, don't fuck around. And so, what had happened apparently was that R. Kelly said that he saw a couple people in the audience with guns, and that he was like worried about it. So he left. He like closed the set out after like thirty minutes or something like that. I'm not getting fucked by that. Yeah, and Jay Z was just like, okay, you can because he he'd already been fucking off for like three other uh, yeah. tour stops. Yeah, that's the straw that broke the camel's right. back. So Jay Z, now this is entirely speculation, but think about how obvious this is. Jay Z's like, you're not gonna do this shit at Madison Square Gardens. This is like the biggest venue like in the world. This is my hometown. This is blah, home blah, court blah. right here. You're yeah. not gonna fuck so, me over like this. Yeah. So he totally told his homeboy 
his cousin, he was like, go take care of business. And he pepper sprayed the fuck out of R. Kelly. Yeah. Pepper sprayed the fuck out of R. Kelly for leaving the stage early. Yeah. And that's like, it, it, remember, now two years before that, Jay-Z had gotten pissed off at a record party and it stabbed a fucking record executive because he did some shit to him. So this isn't like that far off base. And this also makes me, like, reminds me <laughs> to some extent like how much I love Jay Z. He's like pepper spray that motherfucker. And he's like, he, he probably didn't say pepper spray. He's like just take care of business, right? And so R. Kelly's like, I'm on. Oh god, you're hired. Oh god, god. sounds like some Sopranos, like Tony yeah. Soprano shit. Yeah, it was. Handle it. It was it. It was that was you're it. a made man now. There was rumors that he like slapped R. Kelly. There was all sorts of stuff that was coming out there. But the pepper spray a hundred percent happened. And then after it was over. What did Jay Z do? Did, did he get mad and say, "Hey, you that can't do cool. that"? No, he was like, "You're an executive now. Yeah, <laughs> you're paid." That's it. Now, do you guys remember when we were in New York City and uh, we stayed yeah. at the hotel right across the street from Madison yeah, Square Garden? Yeah, yeah. There was a Rush concert yeah, oh, that course, one night. Yep. Mullets abound. Oh my god, oh. the people watching was phenomenal. We didn't go to the concert, obviously, but man, the folks flowing into that joint we before got and show after. For sure. Yeah. That's when I showed you guys two human turds. Two, yeah, two people had taken dumps literally <laughs> right outside the hotel, the hotel front doors. It's true. I'd gone downstairs because I went down there to like hang out, and I was drinking a beer, and I went down there, and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, there's a fucking human turd right by the door. So He's I came like, back. boys, come yeah, here quick. I came back upstairs. I was like, yo, dude, someone took a shit right outside the door. And they were like, oh, that's fucking gross, dude. So then like it was like an hour later, we went back down there and uh, we were going to go try to get some pizza or some shit. There's a second shitter. Yeah. No, 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 no. You <laughs> guys you were, like, you, you were like, that's, they were like, there's that, that turd. turd. And, and I was like, like that's, that's a not different, the turd. That's a different turd. <laughs> Double turds. In the middle of Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, literally like, right across the street, like across the street from Madison Square I mean, Garden. I, like, it's got to be crazy that it wasn't like a smear because of the size of the balls it takes for a man to take a dump in Midtown Manhattan. They had, this, man, seriously, they had to like drop trowel and like put their back against the yeah, building yeah. and they shit like right there on the sidewalk. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. It was insane. What do you wipe with there? Nothing. Dude, what do you care at that point? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just wipe with your pants. And like slowly over the course of like three hours is what I'm saying. <laughs> Instead of just whipping out your phone and pushing random buttons in that awkward situation, make sure you're subscribed to our channel on your favorite podcast platform. You don't want to miss a new show. Now, back to the action. 2002 continued to be one of the worst years for R. It was the year of uh, the video. On February 3rd, 2002, a video surfaced allegedly showing Kelly engaging in sex with and urinating on an underage girl reported to be 14 years old at the time. The story, which was released by an unknown source, was sent to the Chicago Sun-Times, the newspaper that broke the story on February 8th, 2002. The news surfaced as Kelly was to perform at the opening ceremony of the 2002 Winter Olympics. Kelly said in interviews that he was not the man in the video. Just two months later, in April 2002, Kelly is sued for a third time by Patrice Jones, a Chicago woman who claims he impregnated her while she was underage and that she was forced to have an abortion. The hits keep coming. In May 2002, a woman named Montina Woods also sued Kelly, alleging that he videotaped them having sex without her knowledge. The recording was allegedly circulated as an R. Kelly sex tape sold by bootleggers under the title 
R. Kelly, Triple X. Well, there you go. It's an imaginative title. Yeah. Man, he was trying to get in on that Paris Hilton. I don't think, I think it was the opposite. Yeah, he wasn't trying to make a like, fortune off that. He was like, oh, shit, that got out. <laughs> that ain't good. <laughs> yeah, so back to the tape that not only had R. Kelly arrested, but also got him a skit made on The Chappelle Show, uh, which, by the way, was one of the funniest fucking skits yeah. ever. Yeah. I mean, to this day, I can't think of R. Kelly without the whole line. It was like, turn your face into a toilet seat. <laughs> and then, the, then, like, the ultimate joke of the whole thing was when it, like, panned up to a big thing where there was like chocolate dropping on that chick's face and it said R. Kelly's doo-doo butter. <laughs> I, was, I was like, that's fucking insane. And, like, and, and butter, Chappelle dude. was like, man, R. Kelly's mad at me, y'all. Yeah. He he's said, like, I, I am saw, joking. Yeah, he's like, for real. I saw that dude. He's like, man, how are you going to make a video about pissing on people? He's like, man, how are you going to make yeah. a video about pissing on people? And I'm telling you, all right, so here's the thing for me. Whatever you're like, sexual kink is or whatever like it's all right but pee and poop Ugh. are like i just i'll never understand that yeah dude well, well, I mean, well he, and he's got the trifecta pee poop and minors like, yeah that's true i was about to say the minor thing too but there was i don't know there's a poop video or whatever but like peeing on somebody to me is just like fucking revolting dude like i can't even understand how that's even sexual at all. That's where I like click the browser off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying I'm, I'm done. I can't. I just can't. I can't. I can't fucking get it. I can't get it. Man, I'm sure you guys remember mid 2000s. Two girls, one cup. Oh God. Oh the my God. Of existence. It was so. It was so. You so made bad. me watch it. You asshole. I did. I, of course, because I'd seen it. I was like, everybody else has to go through this too. It's like what Vietnam vets wanted to do to their friends. They were like, you, you should see this shit. And I, but the thing is, it was so, uh, we were living in that condo together and I got home right. from work and you were like, Hey, I check gotta this sh- out real quick. Dude, it's a porn movie. You got to come yeah, check this out. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Okay. And then I was like, is that what in the fuck are you making <laughs> yeah, uh, me watch no, it? No, I couldn't even finish it. It was, it, I, I, like, I, I can't, I just can't get it. But the, the, the R Kelly video shit was just bad too. And it was just like, Man, you just can't help but think like, you know, what if that scene in Austin Powers where he wakes up and takes it like a minute and a half long pee? (laughs) Yeah. Or like in uh, with Tom Hanks and A League of Their Own. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, he does like the like three minute pee or something like that. Yeah, gross. Or what if he had a bunch of asparagus? Ugh. Or mm. drank a bunch of coffee. I right. mean, like, there's nothing sexual about pee at all. It's I disgusting. Just, yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's it's just a line mm. that shouldn't be crossed. Nah. You know yeah. what I mean? But what sucks even more is that like he's such a big celebrity that he was so famous, had so much money that he could have done it even just not to minors. Even on top mm-hmm. of that, like girls would have been standing in line it's to get true. pissed on by him. It's true. Right? You're absolutely right. You and like I said, I like, look, man, it's disgusting to me. But if you're an adult and that's your stick, man, and it's not hurting anybody. I don't know. Do whatever you want to do. It's fucking gross. And if you ever told me, I'd probably laugh my ass off and be like, "Oh, gross! Hey, do you know, dude likes to get peed on." But, uh, but yeah, 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 it was it was a minor. She didn't know what the fuck she was doing. It was horrible. Right. And then to be like, it wasn't me, motherfucker. I've seen all your videos. Yeah. I've seen it them. It wasn't me. Yeah. yeah, I've seen. I can believe I can fly. You just had cornrows in this video while you're peeing on this shit. <laughs> fucking shaggy motherfucker. Yeah. It was you. Yeah. The month after getting arrested for the sex tape in June 2002, Kelly was indicted in Chicago on 21 counts of child pornography. That same month, Kelly was arrested by the Miami Police Department on a Chicago arrest warrant in his uh, Florida vacation home. Kelly was later released after spending one night in jail and out on bond posted at 750000 bucks. The alleged victim refused to testify at the trial, 
and a Chicago jury found Kelly not guilty on 14 out of 14 counts of child pornography in June 2008. How is that even humanly possible? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, uh, uh, let's look at what happens the very next year. Right. While investigating the photographs reported in the Chicago Sun-Times, Polk County Sheriff's Office conducted a search of Kelly's residence in Davenport, Florida. During the search, officers recovered 12 images of an alleged underage girl on a digital camera, wrapped in a towel in a duffel bag, which allegedly depicted Kelly involved in sexual conduct with the female minor. According to the Chicago Sun-Times, the girl in the images obtained from Kelly's Florida home also appears in the videotape which got Kelly indicted in Chicago. Oh. It took six years for the case to come to trial, during which time Kelly released his wildly successful Trapped in the Closet album mm-hmm. and was nominated for an Image Award by the yep. NAACP, yep. prompting widespread criticism. Absolutely. What the yeah. fuck? Jesus now, Christ. if you guys will give me a little runway here, I want to get into something that bothers me immensely about R. Kelly and uh, the media press. Sure. So I remember around this time, like when he had the like uh, ignition part one and part two, because that's what he does. Yeah. And I remember like I'm a huge indie music fan and I pay attention to like, you know, reviews and stuff like that. For some reason, not just 2003, but 2003 to like 2013, the indie music press was just so in love with R. Kelly that it was I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. They're like they're like oh my god they're like Chocolate Factory is so amazing so uh, whatever and I'm sitting there thinking I was like now I I admitted earlier that I'm a huge R and B fan but I'm like you know back in the 60s you had R and B artists like Sam Cooke that were doing like a change is gonna come you had people that were doing like Mississippi Goddamn with Nina Simone you had all the, the, the it's like message songs that were were speaking a larger idea of troubles for the black community that were like groundbreaking and they're amazing and they're great music and then like you have fucking r kelly yeah doing chocolate factory and like the music media like just being like oh it's so amazing and i'm like yeah yeah that body got every man in here wishing they're putting like this like thing on him like he's a musical genius and he's doing just like sexual innuendo the entire time and not even that interesting of music so it always bothered me and at the same time i already knew by then that he was a fucking sexual predator and so i always like am really pissed off at like the music media especially like the indie Music media like Pitchfork and those guys like that. They're like, oh, if you don't love fucking Chocolate Factory, then you're just something wrong with you. Yeah, you're a I'm, hater. Yeah, dude. I'm like, dude, he's not doing what Nina Simone did or Sam Cooke did or those people did that was actually speaking like a message and doing good music. You're just sitting there being like, oh, uh, yeah, it's fucking dope, dude. You know, if you don't like it, then you're racist. And I fucking hate that shit. So yeah. I just had to get it off my chest. That's there I wanted go. to say that about. R. Kelly in particular. You know what's his, grinding my gears? Yes. <laughs> yes. His music is completely disposable. Yeah. Has always been disposable. It could have been anybody. He anybody could have, like, could have right had like some sort of weird uh, sexual innuendo about, you know, a car and fucking a chick by saying, put your keys in your ignition. And like to say that's genius. I mean, you can just fuck off. Just want to get that out there. And nowadays you won't be able to write that song because all the cars have a, a push button. True, yeah. Yeah. You just be like, hey, I got a vibe now. You just hit a chick with like a Hitachi wand, bro. <laughs> July 2017, a long and detailed BuzzFeed report accuses R. Kelly of trapping six women in a sex cult. The article alleges Trapped that... In the closet. Right? 
Oh, man. That was a little foreshadowing. Yeah. Huh? Yep. The article alleges that Kelly seduced young women when they were approaching him for help with their music careers before taking control of their lives, dictating what they eat, how they dress, when they bathe, when they sleep, and how they engage in sexual encounters with the records. Jeez. I'm just going to say right now, if I was the sexual predator, I'd be like, you're going to bathe like every three hours. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty dark, but I'm like, I don't want a dirty butt. And I don't want a text oh. message. I don't want a text message like, shit, can I? in the taint there. And I don't want a text message like, Yo, Daddy, can I go take a shit? You know? Yeah, like, oh, I know. Like, oh. Yeah, well, he might be into that. So obviously, hold on, wait for me. I'm writing yeah. my song. I'll be done in twelve minutes. Yeah. Like, hold it. He said, "This is my new hit called You Can Do Do Part Two Two. <laughs> <laughs> you can do do number two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the star also confiscated the women's cell phones. Report says, barring contact with friends and family. The allegations came from three former employees and the parents of several women who said their daughters had all but vanished. God, and that, like, really sucks because, I mean, like, here they are, like, trying to, like, launch their careers and stuff, and they're being approached by somebody who is wildly successful in the industry. Oh, yeah. And then uh, to be subjected to all of that, I mean, that's that's fucked, man. Well, that's the, that's the argument to some extent of, like, the, the Me Too movement where they're like, well, these people have choice over themselves, like... They, it's not like a physical rape like in a Lifetime movie where they get like fucking raped outside of a grocery store or something like that. But what it is is like that person, again, we've talked about this, is like leveraging their power, power over them over to make them. them make decisions that they normally wouldn't do. If R. Kelly was just the garbage man that was like picking up their fucking trash and be like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. He's like, hey, so you're going to have to fuck for, you know, and if you want to do something, they would say no. But because he's so powerful and because he has like so much leverage in, in the industry, like they let it happen. There's everybody in the industry knew what was happening and they just supported him anyways, because he's a fucking cash cow. I read an article about this one. Uh, she was a radio DJ in Dallas, wound up quitting her job and essentially moving in with him. And she said, uh, one day I walked in, I traveled to where he was, bought my plane ticket, told him meet me at the hotel. She walks in the room, sits down. He comes in, sits on the couch and just starts masturbating. And she oh, said, geez. literally, if this was a guy that worked at CVS, I would have just gotten up and left. Yeah. But I didn't. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great perfect, quote. Yeah. yeah. And that's the the thing, too, with uh, a guy that I really love is Louis C.K. It's, it's, it's a tough thing for me. He was doing sort of the same thing. I had to argue early on. I was like, you know, he's asking them, is it OK if I beat off in front of you? And I was like, well, he's asking. So he's getting permission. But like like she said, if it was a guy from CVS, she'd be like, absolutely not. Especially <laughs> yeah, on, you, Louis C.K., because you're one of the ugliest motherfuckers I've ever seen. But on the flip side, was Louis promising them like careers and stuff? No, like but that? that's what that's what I'm saying. You know is what that I mean? like, like, well, it's it's implied. Yeah, it's implied. Like, hey, you're uh, just starstruck it, a little bit. Yeah, you know? and you're like, yeah. hey, is it cool if I just do this in front of you? And then like like I said, they would say no immediately if it wasn't was somebody that had Joe. some leverage over their career. So. Yeah. Kelly strenuously denies the story, which was written by Jim DeRogatis, who had covered the allegations against the singer for two decades. All the women cited in the article were of legal age. One later denied claims that she was being held against her will. She said, I'm not being brainwashed or anything like that, said the 21-year-old Jocelyn Savage in a video call to TMZ. However, she would not reveal where she was speaking from, nor the nature of her relationship with Kelly. So in my experience, if you have to come out and say something like, I'm not being brainwashed. 
you're probably being brainwashed. Well, yeah. I mean, think yeah. about 1977 or whatever. If you asked the people from Jonestown, are you being brainwashed? Right. Go, Absolutely no, not. We're here on our free yeah, will. But they, right they, they gave their kids fucking poison. So, yeah. 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 R. Kelly's lawyer, Linda Mensch, who probably has stayed fairly busy throughout this career. She's a Mensch. She's a real Mensch. <laughs> Also issued a strongly worded denial saying the star was alarmed and disturbed at the recent revelations and would work diligently and forcibly to pursue his accusers and clear his name. According to sources, the women living in Kelly's Duluth, Georgia guest house hey, or his hey. Chicago recording studio included a 31 year old den mother who trained newcomers on how Kelly liked to be pleasured sexually. Yep. She the had handler. Been, yeah. Always an enabler. Yeah. She had been best friends since high school with the girl in the videotape for which Kelly was tried in 2008. So it's that girl. They got peed on's best friend. Oh man. What a good friend. Yeah. Source, it always works that way though. Yeah. Sources say she's no longer involved with Kelly. There was another 25 year old woman who has also been part of Kelly's scene for seven years. There was a recent arrival, a 19-year-old model who has been photographed in public with Kelly and named on music gossip websites, which is rare among the women in his circle. An Atlanta songwriter who began her relationship with Kelly around 2009 when she was 19 and an 18-year-old singer from Polk County, Florida. Sources said that the Florida singer is Kelly's favorite, his number one girl. Those in the know claim that the women who live with Kelly, who he calls his babies, are required to call him daddy Ew. and must ask his permission to leave the Chicago recording studio or their assigned rooms in the guest house. Kelly rents near his own rented mansion in suburban Atlanta. So he has two mansions, pretty much one for the girls and one for himself. Not anymore. You don't. Oh. Right. A black SUV with a burly driver behind the wheel is almost always parked outside both locations. Kelly confiscates the women's cell phones, they said, so they cannot contact their friends and family. Yep. He gives them new phones that they're only allowed to use to contact him or others with his permission. Kelly films his sexual activities and shows the videos to men in his circle. So oddly enough, we ran into this same situation in our last episode with Dustin Diamond. Diamond said that his sex tape was leaked because he had a group of buddies that would make sex tapes and kind of swap when they would hang out. I guess we're not that hip because I've never seen any pornos with you dudes in it. I was about to say, not to be mean to you guys, and certainly I don't think any of you guys want to see my dick. We'll take a hard pass on that one. Or a soft pass. (laughs) I mean, now in all fairness, I don't have your wife. I don't have erectile dysfunction. (laughs) No, but all right, so let's think about this, though. It's always like this is what pisses me off because it takes an army of people to get this sort of shit done. Or Kelly by himself could yeah. never do this. I mean, right? the same thing was with Jeffrey Epstein. Right. There was a, just this whole network that basically enabled all of this stuff. Well, what was funny was like, so I was watching today just to sort of like bone up on the shit. And I should probably use a better word for that. Um, but, <laughs> brush up on it. Yeah, brush up on it. But was like his handler or some shit like that. And he admitted to forging Aaliyah's age on yeah. the birth certificate. Yeah, somebody had to do that. Yeah. And he was like, I feel pretty guilty about it. And I was like. You As well, you should. You didn't feel guilty about it until all this other shit, shit came started out. Happening. Until you your yeah. payday was no longer relied on that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just I'm like this shit happens all the time, and it isn't Jeffrey Epstein was not like a dude that was so charismatic that he could just hold it on his own. He he had money to do it, and people were willing to like I said again to base themselves. To make a paycheck or do whatever they need to do. Keep the machine running. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the same fucking thing. I mean, the thing, what was crazy to me was like all this sexual allegations for R. Kelly were like in 
writing and on the wall for years and everybody was just like that fucking chocolate factory was pretty good you see that song he wrote for diana ross like yeah you know what i mean like, yeah i mean and, and then then you go back then when when the tides turn they're like yeah fuck that guy i'm like I, at what point did the morals come into play and you're just like, yeah, dude, this guy is a horrible human being. Same thing, okay, same thing with Michael Jackson. I mean, yeah. let's, let's yeah. go and put it out there right now. Yeah, 100%. Like, look, Thriller, great album. That guy fucked kids probably, dude. Like, I, I don't think there's no way around at this God, point. What was that, Finding Neverland or whatever? Yeah, that dude. Was yeah. I was saying that like for watch. years and like, and the people are still like, literally like dying on that hill. Like, no, MJ is awesome. Like, he's still like... Uh, revered legend i'm like no that dude fuck kids man God, all right thriller yeah. was good but like at a certain point there's a problem here like, yeah we need, to, we need to just go ahead and separate those things and say all right i like thriller and he also was a complete pedophile dr jekyll mr hyde yeah, you know dude. what i mean like there you go blanket no oh, he said that's ignorant <laughs> that's ignorant <laughs> he said of course it's stuff the children i had a bad childhood myself i'm, like, I'm not gonna give any excuse for that dude and honestly i'm gonna be honest dude I mean, Thriller's great, but Jesus Christ, it's also, I think, maybe a little overrated. It's a good album. Holy crap. People talk about it. It's like the Holy Grail. Like, I, like The weekend has some pretty good tracks. And I'm like, I, you know, if it's an option, I might listen to The weekend over Michael Jackson. Yeah. And I'm fucking almost I mean, 40 years old. Let's see how it ages. Exactly. You know. That's true. Fair yeah. enough. The star's former personal assistant said Kelly almost always tells the women to dress in jogging suits because he doesn't want their figures to be exposed. He doesn't want them to look appealing. She said when other men are in the same room, Kelly would make his girls turn around and face the wall in their jogging suits because he doesn't want them to be looked at by anybody else. Face Bin the wall, Laden. Bitch. Bin <laughs> Laden. If the women break any of Kelly's rules, he would punish them physically and verbally. For example, one woman claimed that Kelly held her against a tree and slapped her outside of a Subway sandwich shop in spring 2013 because she had been too friendly with the male cashier there. The old Subway slap. I know we've uh, had this story before, but I wanted to slap a bitch at Subway once uh, for not taking my frequent sub card and giving me the discount I deserved. But of course I didn't. I withheld. Mikey almost saw that happen. Yeah. I did. And he went back and paid for his sandwich later on. I paid for both of our sandwiches. You <laughs> should not have. She would not give me my discount that I deserved on my frequent sub card. That's total bullshit. You know you were playing that game, man. Hey. You, were the, you were trying to get the foot-long deal for a two separate subs. We know what the score is on this. I had my card. And I had a free, <laughs> free like six-inch sub, and I wanted the foot-long. You showed it like it was a badge. I, I absolutely did. Explicitly. I, our, our, our listeners remember this probably now but yes i i drove back there and paid so anyways we're talking about Should not have done that i had no choice one woman said r kelly is the sweetest person you'll ever want to meet but robert is the devil in may 2018 the women of color branch of the times up movement called for a boycott of kelly's music and performances over the many allegations against him the boycott was accompanied by a social media campaign called mute r kelly in response, his management said that Kelly supports the movement in principle, but targeting him was the attempted lynching of a black man who has made extraordinary contributions to our culture. See, that's a problem. Like, lynching was a very fucking real deal back in the right. day. Jim yeah. Crow era. But because you're a black celebrity, you don't get to use lynching every time someone comes after you for fucking kids, dude. Yeah, right? right? You, you know, know what, what I mean? Like hey, well, Clarence Thomas did it in 1990. When he was getting to go into the Supreme Court, oh, yeah, he yeah, called yeah. it like a, a new age lynching. 
It's like, no, you put your pubes on a can for Anita Hill, you fucking freak show. Like, lynching... Anyways, dude, yeah, you can't just say lynching. You can't use it, that it, word it's like, Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's you don't very, get a free pass on that word. It's a charged word, and it has a very specific meaning. The music streaming service Spotify announced on May 10th, 2018, that it was going to stop promoting or recommending music by R. Kelly. Spotify stated, we don't censor content because of an artist or creator's behavior. We want our editorial decisions, what we choose to program, to reflect our values. Two days later, Apple Music and Pandora also announced that they were no longer be featuring or promoting R. Kelly's music. Spotify received criticism from members of the music industry who expressed worries of the slippery slope of muting artists, since R. Kelly had never been actually convicted of a crime. The streaming services ultimately reversed this decision. And then 2019 brought us Surviving R. Kelly. Over the course of six hour-long episodes, the Lifetime documentary Surviving R. Kelly presents the most comprehensive look yet at the allegations against the musician aired in January 2019. The final two segments are particularly harrowing, featuring stark testimony from his accusers and footage of parents attempting to rescue daughters who they haven't seen in years. All it took was 25 years. That's all. That's Just, it. You know, yeah. it was well known, dude. MTV broke the story about him marrying Aaliyah when she was 15 back in 95, man. Yeah, it's probably. I, it, it, she's kind of glossed over. Yeah, Chicago, the Tribune or whatever it was. I remember it's like. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, they found all of that. I remember talking, like I said, I remember specifically being upset and being like, why are you guys okay with this? And they were just like, well, it's not proven yet. Then that fucking documentary comes out and then everybody piles on is like, right. fuck yeah, fuck that guy. I was like, we've known this for years, you assholes. Kurt Loder was like, God damn, I covered that story back yeah. then. Yeah. While many of the stories are familiar, the documentary rams home the argument that Kelly was enabled by those around him. That's the way it was, said his former tour manager, Demetrius Smith. We worked for him. This is what he wanted, so this is what we were supposed to give him. Two weeks after the program is broadcast, Kelly is dropped by his record company. Planned concerts in the U.S. and New Zealand are canceled. On February 22, 2019, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office in Illinois charged Kelly with 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse. The charges allege from 1998 to 2010, Kelly sexually abused four females, three of whom were teen minors at the time, with evidence including a video provided by Michael Avenetti that allegedly depicts a new crime. Kelly turned himself in on the day the charges were announced and was arrested by the Chicago Police Department and taken into custody. The judge set a $1 million bond and ordered Kelly to have no contact with any minor under 18 or alleged victim. Kelly pled not guilty to all charges, which he called lies. He was released on bail after two nights in jail at Cook County. On March 6, 2019, Gail King interviewed Kelly on CBS This Morning, where Kelly insisted on his innocence and blamed social media for the allegations. During the interview, Kelly had an emotional outburst. I've been assassinated. I've been buried alive. Y'all killing me. Then he gets up and starts pounding his chest. I need help. I need help. Additionally, two women who reside with Kelly, whose parents say are brainwashed captives, declared love for R. Kelly and defended him during the broadcast. Do you guys remember that interview? I do, and it gave me vivid memories of, well, not memories, but of the Manson trials where the Manson girls were, like, supporting Defending, Charles Manson yeah. and saying, like, yeah, he's the greatest thing ever. It's, it's a fucking cult, homie. Dude, yeah. and I mean, like, he gets, like, five octaves higher than he normally gets, and he was like, y'all kill me! Y'all coming <laughs> after me! Y'all messing up my relationship with yeah. my kids! That's because you, now you're facing the consequences of your 
Or fucking... his kids totally cut him off. Yeah, None of his should. kids have contact with him. Good. They and then Gail King was like, Robert. Robert, <laughs> Robert, sit down. Robert. Now listen. Listen, Robert. Robert. That did remind me of like back in the day, like your mom being like, Randy. Like. <laughs> Calm down, Randy. On July 11, 2019, Kelly was arrested on federal charges alleging sex crimes and obstruction of justice by the U.S. Homeland Security investigators and NYPD detectives in Chicago. What? Let's do this. <laughs> What's the NYPD doing in Chicago? I don't know. I know it's the thing. I'm just like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, good. On July 12, 2019, federal prosecutors from New York and Chicago indicted Kelly on 18 charges, including child sexual exploitation, child pornography production, kidnapping, forced labor, racketeering, and obstruction of justice. He was first denied bail in October 2019 and denied bail again in April 2020 during the COVID-19 pandemic. Superseding indictments were filed in Chicago on February 13, 2020, and in New York on March 13th, raising the total number of charges to 22. Jeez. Kelly is still... <laughs> Seven years over the age of what he's used to. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly is still currently incarcerated at Metropolitan Correctional Center in Chicago. Good. How will ask Yep. They Hopefully said his trial is supposed to be in August this year. Man, hopefully he's staring out the window at that river where his first girlfriend was. Oh, oh, damn. Oh, my God. Damn, buddy. That was dark. Dark. Damn. Hopefully. All right. And that, boys, is R. Kelly. Okay. Jeez, man. Yeah. That was. Try to find some humor in that whole story. We found a little bit. Yeah. We found our humor, but God damn it. What cost? Dark. Yeah. Fucking dark. Mm-hmm. What do you guys got for some final scores? So, all right. Um, uh, I was trying to recollect what I gave Epstein because I feel like what he did was borderline identical. But when I thought about it, it may be worse because Epstein, you know, it's easier to hate like a super rich white guy that has access to all this shit. Uh, But I don't recall Epstein actually like holding chicks hostage for like years at a time and keeping them from their families. That we know of. That we know of. But we do know or Kelly did at least right now. Um, so I think I started him out at like a seven, uh, and th- th- this is where we get into the hard line that we always talk about on the show is like, did they kill somebody? Um, he killed some souls. He definitely killed some souls. Many, many souls. And, uh, yeah. might even throw in some suicides in there either. Not maybe presently, but maybe further down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's everything. And also again, I, I'm just irritated in the general sense of uh, of the accolades he gets for his music, which is just completely fucking pedestrian. It's not that good. Jesus Christ, it's not that good. I I, I can't even understand it. Um, I'm gonna give him a fucking eight. I'll give him an eight. Call him a day. Like I don't. I have to review this. Maybe I'll post something up on some shit and say I'll revise it based on what I gave Epstein. But yeah, I'll give him an eight. So I, you know, like I said, I didn't know a lot of it going into it. I, you know, knew the rumors of it, but, you know, I gave him a 6.25 off the rip, but man, I'm going to have to jump him way up off of that. I mean, the thing that I hate is, of course, the miners. I mean, that is just always, you're, I mean, you know what you're doing. You know what's wrong. Plus, you're just, you're ruining them, their lives. And a lot of them are innocent in that sense. And that's rough. And all we know is what he's being charged with i mean i'm sure there's plenty others that have been in there that just you know kind of fell through the cracks um maybe are going to try and come forward after all this stuff but um yeah no i mean he is a sexual predator and that just doesn't sit well with me at all so i'm going to jump him up from a 6.25 i'm going to go a little bit higher than mikey 
And I'm going to give him a 9.0 as a final asshole score. 9.0. Fuck him. Yeah, no doubt. So big thing that bothers me is he has kids, right? He has a daughter. That right now, I think she's 21 years old. Her name is Kelly Kelly. She has has no contact with him. Um, Good for her. So think about that. Even when she was 15, six years ago in 2015, he was still pulling this shit. He was molesting kids that were his daughter's age, legit. And calling them baby. Like, like, these are my babies. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, so, and, and like, to your point, you know right from wrong. Like, that's one inherent trait that you learn from a very early age what's right and what's wrong and that may be what's wrong with him is he may not view this as being wrong yeah. but that's what is so fucked up about what he's done and he justify was, whatever you want he was head, molested you know as I mean? a child which is is not an excuse it's just like some context there but like i said i'm not like i'm not but, gonna lower my score for that but it, it does suck because it is it is sort of like it's a precursor as a future behavior exactly right but yep. you know how much it fucks you up so why are you gonna go ahead and continue that cycle? i know but that's the rational you know viewpoint I mean? from someone outside of that area but that's uh, there's a reason that like uh sexual abuse sort of like runs down the line right yeah yeah, now, yeah. i'm not i'm not giving an excuse i'm just saying this it's just how it happens yeah right. you would hope that it would like turn you the you other would, way like yes you have the alcoholic father yeah. that you don't turn into the alcoholic because yeah. you realize how much impact that had on you right. right you know yeah absolutely and for the the decades that it went on like you said buddy like we don't know what else happened right Chappelle had the doo-doo butter going all over the chicks <laughs> that might have been a thing too right Wouldn't it just never came out it just you, you don't point. know yeah from what we know extremely fucked up from what we don't know keep piling it on right yeah. and, there's no way it's not worse right yeah and no, then the 100%. whole like sex cult thing right Hold young girls that are, you know, they say they're not, be, yeah, impressionable, gullible, easy to manipulate. Mm-hmm. It's just it, the whole thing of it is fucked up, man. Yeah. So I'm fairly in line with you guys. I'm going eight five. I jumped him up from an eight to an eight point five. Yeah, yeah, he didn't work at CVS like girls. No, nah, he definitely didn't. All right. Well, with a eight point oh from Mikey, a nine point oh from Buddy, and an eight point five from Randy, R. Kelly's final asshole score. Is an eight point five. Gotta be honest, yeah. I feel weird being on the lower end of things. Yeah, no, I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm not too thrilled with it. Nah. But. It'll be interesting to see how his court case plays out. Oh, he's done. He's yeah, well, and he's been in trouble for for tampering with witnesses. He's got no money. He's, yeah, that's he's why everything's less. happening now. That's yeah. a, or what the <laughs> the theory on the street yeah. is. Yeah. And I just want to keep listening. To great R and B artists that had like important songs, like Marvin Gaye's, like uh, What's Going On. Like all these important songs, and then for some reason this fucking asshole is just like he's an R and B genius. No. Pisses me off to no yeah. end. Screw that. All right, well, good show. Yeah, yep. absolutely. We hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, if you do like what we're doing, give us a follow on all of our social media platforms at AHC Podcast. Tell your friends and your coworkers. Hopefully, they can get a laugh out of it too. Be kind to one another. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court.